Help us, O Lord, to love you in all things and beyond all things. Amen. Does anyone think that love is a bad plan? Maybe I'm just out of touch with the world, but I don't think there are many people who hear Jesus' summary of the Torah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then think, yeah, that's not right. There's got to be a better answer than that one. The issue is that we've all heard that we are supposed to love God and our neighbors, what? A thousand times? 10,000 times? We hear it in scripture. We hear it in music that love is all you need. We hear it in movies. We hear it from preachers that we just need to love God and one another. Our problem is not ignorance. We know that we are supposed to love and that love is to be at the center of everything. Rather, our issue is that we are not clear about what love is. And we're not always willing or able to take the risk of love. And even when we are, we don't always know how to love. And we see all three of these dynamics at play in the encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees in the temple. What is love? A translation of scripture that I have mentioned before is the First Nations Version. It was published about a year ago, and it's a translation from the perspective of the indigenous peoples of this land. I find it to be a very helpful and enlightening way of encountering the Bible through fresh eyes. That version translates the great commandment as, You must love the great spirit from deep within with the strength of your arms, the thoughts of your mind, and courage of your heart. Or going back about 800 years, St. Thomas Aquinas said that to love is to will the good of the other. The founder of the Order of the Holy Cross, an Episcopal monastic group said, love must act as fire must burn. And ma many theologians have said that love is the raw substance out of which God created everything. Love is what was born from Mary's womb. Love is what was crucified on a Roman cross. And love is what raised Jesus from the dead. And so given all of that, what is love? Well, we could say that love is not about our emotions or our feelings, because in none of those understandings of love do we hear anything that resembles feelings of affinity or liking someone or having a warm fuzzy. Nor is love intellectual. Love is not something that we arrive at through logic or reason, debate. You can't argue someone into love. Instead, love is a commitment, an orientation, a resolve. Love is a way of saying that we are at harmony with God. The metaphor that I like to use for this is the beginning of a symphony. Once the conductor comes out, she usually points at the oboist who plays a note. 
and then everyone tunes towards that note. Now, if you get to the symphony a little bit earlier than that, you'll notice all the musicians are warming up and tuning their instruments, and presumably they all think that they are in tune as they're preparing for the concert. But what makes for the beauty and the harmony of the music is not that everyone thinks that they are in tune with one another, but rather that they actually listen to that first note and then adjust to that. That commitment to being in tune, to listening for a unifying note and then adjusting towards harmony is a good way of understanding what we mean when we say love. Again, love is not about how we feel about someone or God. Love is about seeking harmony. Or we might say that love is about seeking communion. And as Jesus defines it, we cannot love God without loving our neighbor. These go hand in hand. In the letter of 1 John, we read, Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It is through loving our neighbor that we love God. And by defining love this way, Jesus is synthesizing a passage from Leviticus about loving our neighbor and a verse from Deuteronomy about loving God with all of our being. And the conflation of these two directions of love towards God and towards our neighbor, it tells us at least two things. One, love requires us to be rooted in a tradition. When asked which is the greatest commandment, Jesus does not struggle to come up with a response. He is rooted in a tradition and is able to respond out of that tradition that has formed and shaped him. This is why worship and practices of prayer and scripture reading matter so much. None of us know when we will be tested. We don't get to plan our accidents. Chaos is not something we schedule. We read scripture and come to church not to appease God, not because it is our duty or obligation, but because through prayer we become attuned to the sound of love. In beloved community, we are reminded who we are, the beloved children of God. We receive sacraments which nourish us in this love, and we have opportunities with one another to practice forgiveness, generosity, unity without uniformity. When I worry about the decline of the church in terms of participation and affiliation, I don't worry about the future of this institution. I worry about the future of a society that does not have a note of love to tune towards. The other thing that Jesus shows us in his summary of the Torah is that we have to be able to see the forest, not just the trees. Jewish scholars tell us that there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. The Pharisees were testing Jesus to see which one he would choose. They were asking him to exclude 612 commandments in favor of just one. But when Jesus was asked to choose one, he landed on two. Jesus shows us that we do not have to be limited by the situation that we encounter. 
He was asked for one answer and he gave two. Jesus did not let their question dictate the scope of his response. But so often we are tempted to exclude, to reduce, to narrow. But Jesus shows us a response that includes and expands. Love is not about making things smaller, but rather bigger. And answering by including all of the Torah, instead of just picking one part of it, Jesus demonstrates that true wisdom isn't just about knowing things. Wisdom is about knowing what those things mean and where they are heading. In other words, it's one thing for you to know that the orchestra is tuning towards an A, or that an A note is 440 hertz. That's just information. It is something else entirely to know what an A sounds like, what it feels like. The point is that by the gift of the Holy Spirit, most of us know what the loving response is in most situations. And yet, we try to solve too many problems through resolutions and legislation. Love is not that complicated. But by trying to turn love into a policy and a rule, we often end up with solutions that fall far short of love. And the reason for this is that love is a risk. Again, just consider the cross of Jesus as the ultimate picture of love, and you'll understand how much of a risk that it is. Love is not about self-preservation. Love orients us towards others, and others are not perfect. And so sometimes our love will be rejected and taken advantage of. It is as C.S. Lewis put it, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung, possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Lock it up safe in the casket of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Many of us, though, prefer safety to vulnerability. We prefer comforts to challenges. We'd rather worry about our problems and not theirs. If love is about tuning towards that note of grace that we've heard, we would rather choose our own notes. In our self-centered and individualistic world, we have been conditioned to believe that we each have to discover our own note and then play it loud and play it proud. And while there is always room for individual expression, just as a symphony has room for violins, trumpets, cellos, and flutes, there's only one note of love to tune towards. Now, that's not to say that any of those other notes are necessarily bad or wrong. In fact, any good symphony is probably going to play all of those notes at some point. But what makes the music work is that everyone starts by tuning towards that note held in common. But we've lost the ability to listen to one another, 
We often reject any suggestion that we are out of tune and that we need to change anything. Sometimes we even dismiss the idea that we are part of a symphony. We just say, I'm in a one-person band. Maybe we've been hurt or excluded so many times that we just don't want to be a part of a symphony anymore. We find that it's easier just to go at it alone or in a smaller ensemble. For these and many other reasons, we do not always take the risk of love. The result is that we've lost our ear for love. We don't recognize those notes of love when we hear them, or maybe we've forgotten how to get into the right position to play those notes. And this is why I so often repeat this note of grace and love in preaching. Until we know how to recognize that note of love over the cacophony of social media, advertisers, politicians, and our own inner critic, it will remain a challenge to play that note of love. Every single Sunday, we can hear that message that we are loved, not because of what we do or accomplish, but the church only gets one hour of the week. Media and technology companies get a lot more than that. St. Luke's has a budget of about $500,000 a year. That is petty cash compared to what society has at its disposal. As long as those other notes get more volume and airtime in our souls, love will remain something that sounds nice, but is just beyond our reach. Which is why gathering in beloved community and hearing this message of grace and love in a community is so vital. In 1 Corinthians, St. Paul writes that love is patient, kind, it is not envious, arrogant, boastful, or rude. Love does not insist on its own way, nor does love tolerate wrongdoing. Rather, love rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. But these are not values that are generally appreciated or pursued in our culture. Sure, we say we want to be patient and kind and deferential, but our society does not lift those sorts of people up as our celebrities or models. You can tell a lot about a society by who it gives attention to and what sort of behavior it rewards. And before we blame the media for that, we should realize that the media is just trying to make money. They are giving us what they know we will buy. The media is simply a reflection of who we are. And we are not a society that invests in love. Which means that even if we have a fuller understanding of what love is, influenced by Jesus and our faith, even if we have the courage and the will to be vulnerable and risk love, we have not been given good models for what love in society looks like. And so the result is we might not actually know how to love. This is why later this week we will celebrate witnesses to love on All Saints. We will consider people like Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Oscar Romero, Hilda, Francis, and Julian, 
And again, this is why being a part of a church community is so important, because the church is a place to practice this sort of love. It's a place where we can be vulnerable, where we are free to make mistakes, because the church is nothing else if not an institution built on forgiveness. And second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. This is a place where we can be in communion with people who are in different socioeconomic groups, generations, or political parties. The church is a place where we can cultivate these virtues of love as we practice vulnerability by taking the risk of actually loving one another. And the reason why we can do this is because the strength of our communion that unites us one to another is the very body and blood of Christ. In beloved community, we listen for that note of love. And by the gift of the Spirit, seek harmony with God and our neighbor. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God.